You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Morning Church, my name is Julia Wasson and I get the joy of serving here on staff in the care ministry and also serving as a volunteer through the Care Advocate Program. Uh, Today we will be reading from Acts chapter 1 verses 4 through 8. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, TVC, Trevor Joy here. Uh, I just want to welcome you to our last weekend in the Creator's Heart series, where we're going to be focusing on God's heart for the nations. Now, if you may not know this, but there's over 3 billion people in the world today that have no access to the gospel. They are unreached. And our hope in sending is to mobilize people and resources to plant churches among these unreached peoples. Now you're gonna hear more about that as we go on the service because there is a part for every single person in this room to play in seeing that happen. But right now, I wanna introduce to you one of our dear friends uh, and strategic partners in the work of taking the gospel unreached. It's gonna open God's word for us today. So join me in giving a warm TVC welcome to our friend, Andy Kamen. Thanks, guys. Uh, like I said, my name's Andy. I'm from Austin. Uh, maybe I'll start with this. Uh, I, I, I was on staff with the Austin Stone for 12 years. The reason I bring that up is because our two churches, TVC and the Stone, have been friends for a long time. I love, uh, I love TVC. Uh, I, I um, can remember um, um, 2018, uh, sitting out in the parking lot, where, where, whichever direction it is, um, right out here, I think, and uh, in, in Trevor Joy's truck, and, and you guys remember when he drove that black Dodge Ram, um, I love that old truck, and we're sitting out there, me, him, and Colby McGinnis, and hearing about how the elders of this church, um, uh, the elders of this church had spent several months trying to discern what is God doing and leading our, our, our congregation to, our church to, for this next season for this next year. And they said, man, after prayer, fasting, discussing a lot of different things, the one thing they felt like they were supposed to focus on was a clear pipeline from TBC to the nations. And, and I just remember thinking, this is God's timing. And that's where TBC started this relationship with uh, an organization called Launch Global. I help provide leadership for Launch Global. And Launch Global kind of provides the pipes for the pipeline, right? Kind of the, 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 the staff and, and uh, some, some infrastructure to help you get to the nations. And that started about five years ago. And so if that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, you guys know the sending team, right? Amen. 
Um, we, can, we can interact a little bit. I don't know what you guys usually do with Pastor Matt. I'm a little bit more informal. Maybe, maybe not. And, uh, and, but then within the sending team, you've got the mobilization team, right? So Colby and Christy McGinnis, remember those mugs? You guys remember those guys? Deanne and, and uh, Carlos and Shelby and Stephen and Rachel and Aaron and now Rick and his wife. And then, and then we've got uh, Laura that just came over from Lubbock and Elika. You guys remember these folks? So, so what I do uh, down in Austin is the same thing that your mobilization does, uh, your mobilization team does. And we just actually got to come from Spain over the new year. We were in Spain with some of your goers. So Rich and Heather, you guys know those guys that are in East Asia? Anybody know Rich and Heather? Okay, like three people. Okay, that, you guys should get to know them. Uh, they've been there for 12 years. They were sent out by your church uh, and their family. Uh, Stephen and Shelby are in the Middle East, right? Got to hang out with them. They're about 160 um, from, from The Stone, from TVC, and from Redeemer. Our three churches had about 160 adults plus their 100 kids. And then there were about 100 volunteers. We all got together in Spain. And, and it was like this sweet family reunion, not like your crazy family reunion or your crazy uncle from, you know, that kind of strange, like, I hope he doesn't show up. And then he shows up. That guy from West Texas shows up. Not like that. Like you really just wanted to be there with these people. And we laughed and cried and worshiped. And it was, it was an amazing time. So this is a picture of my family, uh, just in Spain. I've uh, been married for 21 years to Jamie. Uh, we have twins, Josiah and Abigail that are juniors in high school. And then Anna in the middle here is in, in the front. And yes, Bubba, I put that, that picture up on purpose because I mean, isn't that how all of our, our pictures go usually? And it's, like maybe the ninth one after you've threatened to like take away their phone for a month, then, then, and which doesn't ever work, P.S., um, and, and yet we still do it. Like somebody's got a face like that always in our family. So I just wanted to show you we're real people. Somebody uh, has got a face like Bubba, our youngest, and so that's a fun one. Hey, speaking of my family, last week uh, my wife turned 47. Okay, any 1977s in here? Yeah. Okay, a handful of us that are rocking Knight Rider and A-Team, you guys know, uh, those are my people. Um, and so my wife turned 47, before the kids got up, we went to her favorite coffee shop and we were greeted by this beauty. And um, I love Lamborghinis. This, ca- this is a car called a Lamborghini for those like three people that don't know that. And, um, and, and, and I love Lamborghinis. Ever since I was a little kid, I had Lamborghini posters on my room. I would draw Lamborghinis and put those up. I had Lamborghini Moshbox cars, Micro Machines. Anybody remember my Micro Machines. Yeah, the guy that talked really fast, you know, in the commercials. And, uh, and I love Lamborghinis. So let's pretend that we added a zero to my salary, okay? And I could buy a Lamborghini. And then I, let's say that I built like this really beautiful glass garage, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off style. And I put my Lamborghini in there and I shined my Lamborghini and, and I read books about my Lamborghini. I went to Lamborghini conferences and, and I learned how to tune this V10 engine. And then, and then once in a while on special occasions, I would just take it around the block real carefully and then put her back in the glass garage, right? That would be a tragedy, amen? That would be a tragedy because this car was not created to sit in a garage. It was created to drive hard and fast. This car goes over 200 miles an hour. Now, any, any Fast and Furious, like, kind of, like, you're like, yeah, I'm kind of that guy. Um, I, I, dude, me too, okay? My wife's like, you're not, you're not, though. And I'm like, but I want to be. Um, and, and so, again, that gets us into trouble sometimes. But, but um, that car, if it just sat in that garage, that would be a tragedy because that's not what that car was created to do. Amen? That's not what that car was created to do. And, and, and ironically, friends, this is a picture of many of us. 
we have this, this, this unbelievable power that lives in us called the Holy Spirit, and we don't access that power. When we said yes to Jesus, when, when, when the Holy Spirit broke into our lives before we confessed, right? The Holy Spirit's the one that gives us faith to actually confess that Jesus, his death and resurrection, our only hope to, have God, to, to be in relationship with God. It's not by works, right? So that no one can boast, right? A gal just uh, in last service said yes to Jesus right after service. So maybe that's you and that's the message you need to hear today is that you're like, man, I keep trying to be good enough for God and I keep failing. Here's the good news. You can't. Amen? You guys know the gospel. You can't. And so the, the one that comes into you that helps you confess that is the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that we see throughout the book of Acts so that the lame could walk, the blind could see, people could be raised from the dead is the power of the Spirit. And that Spirit, that power lives inside of us. And yet for many of us, that power just sits in the garage of our lives and is rarely accessed or used. And today, friends, is an invitation, an invitation to access way more power than that car, to access the, the very one who lives inside of us. Jesus is inviting us, and here's the good news. Any of us, any of us can access it, amen? Um, and so here's another way to say it. If you're not into the car, if maybe the car thing didn't, really didn't do it for you, here's a quote by a guy named Benjamin who used to be a prime minister a long time ago. This is what he said. Maybe this will resonate with you. He said, most people die with their music still locked up inside of them. Man, God wants, doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want that for you. He gave you the spirit of God so that music, that, that, that could come out of you, that power could come out of you. So let me pray and, and, and let's ask God together that that would happen. And so God, we, we come to you as your children, so thankful that we get to be called sons and daughters, friends of Jesus. And we thank you for your spirit that lives in us I pray that you would do more than just help us to believe these things today, that you would give the courage for us to actually ask. That's what faith is, belief and action together. And so would we not just hear these words today and, and, and let our lives remain the same, but would you give us the courage, would you allow our lives to be disrupted by the power that lives in us so that we could live in what we were created to live in? We need your help. I need your help in order to do that, Lord. My, my words aren't, my stories aren't good enough to, 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 to do that in your people, but you want your people to do that. You want your people to live that way. And so come and do what only you can do today during this time. And the church agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. The key question we're asking is how do we live in that power? How do we unlock? that music, right? What does it look like to say yes to this global gospel invitation? And so that's the key question today. Here's three ways that I think Acts chapter one helps us uh, uh, live in that power, access that power. Number one is get a bigger vision. Number two is uh, include yourself in the story. And number three is live in the necessity of spirit-empowered going. Live in the necessity of spirit-empowered going. So that's where we're going. So I'm going to start by reading. We'll just read those last few verses again. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So when they, the disciples, had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and, Sam- and uh, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. And so the first one we want to enter into is get a bigger vision. So the disciples had just spent, the disciples along with like 500 of their friends, right, according to 1 Corinthians 15, had just spent 40 days with Jesus and he taught them about the kingdom of God, right? And and he was unpacking these things and the, the disciples respond probably how we would respond, hey, Jesus, what about us? What about us? Like, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, to our nation, to our people? Are we going to finally get freedom from Rome and this oppression that we've been um, under? And the disciples were missing what the Samaritans got in two days. What I mean by that is, remember the story in John chapter 4 where the Samaritan woman, she comes, right, to Jesus. Jesus reveals that he's the Messiah, the living water. She runs back to the town, brings most of the town out, right? She was known by everybody because she had a a very loose living life, and she brings the whole town out. Jesus uh, preaches the gospel again about himself. Many of them say yes to him, and then they say this in verse 42, John chapter 4, verse 42, and they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world they understood that Jesus didn't just come for Israel he he didn't come for one people or one tribe or one country or one political party amen he came he came for the world the Samaritans got that even though the disciples after three years of discipleship missed it and, and Matt, Pastor Matt so beautifully unpacked last week how that's God's heart, right? You guys remember Abram and Sarah, later Abraham and Sarah, how God said, I'm going to bless you and make your name great so that you would be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Y'all remember that? And then he walked through the scriptures from, from Rahab and Jericho to Ruth, right? Uh, the the, the, the great grandma of, of David and David's mighty men. And all throughout scripture, again and again, you can't help but see that God's heart is for the world, that he died for the world. Maybe you're like, hey, we got that one. We got it. You guys remember uh, John 3.16? How many people, John 3.16 was like your first memory verse? A handful? Yeah, that's right. For God so loved the world, right? And yet, unfortunately, and, and, and their intentions were good, but sometimes people were like, hey, let's take world out and put your name in there. For God so loved Johnny, for, for God so loved Wendy, for God so loved whoever, right? And that's not bad, except, man, we're already wired to forget the world. We're already wired to forget the world, and so we forget about the world because of our extreme ethnocentrism. We, we, we focus on ourselves. It doesn't compute, and so we quickly swipe up when the world comes in front of us. Why is this? Why is our cultural IQ so low? And I think the core issue is selfishness. It's our, I mean, think about it, guys. I mean, like, when your friends come over and stay with you for more than two days, how you doing? Huh? I mean, two-day visit? Like, okay, we can all, we can all make sacrifices. But, like, when it gets to be a week, I'm like, yo, y'all are cramping my style big time, right? Or for those of you who got married, you remember those first few weeks, months, however long it took y'all to kind of figure out. And then you had kids and then your style really got cramped. And you're like, where did my sleep go and my exercise and my, 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 you know, my whole foods and like it all just went to pot, right? And these are supposed to be the people that we love, right? And it takes the spirit to fill us to love them well. 
How much more, how much more people that don't look like us, whose cultures aren't like ours, who think maybe differently than us? And one of the reasons I think that we're so ethnocentric is because we live in this echo chamber of social media filled with people just like us. So let's test this a second. Maybe, maybe I'll do better than the other two services. Like, like if you, probably not, but let's just take the test anyways. If you uh, follow somebody, YouTube, social media, whatever, who lives outside the United States and you watch or listen to uh, or read what they produce weekly, would you just raise your hand? Okay, we see you. Like, is that maybe five? Well, let's be generous and say there's 10%. That means 90% of us we just kind of surround our peop- ourselves with people that are just like us. We, we, we live in this little echo chamber. And, and even our godly desires, right? Even I can remember in college, like um, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to start this nonprofit. We're going to have these big dually trucks with these massive trailers. And we're going to go around the country, um, the United States, not just Texas. We're going to go around the country and, and go from natural disaster to natural disaster. And we're going to help people. And it's going to be great. We're going to re- help rebuild people's lives. That, that's not a bad vision. It's just really, really small. And it wasn't until I got outside of the United States that I began to understand how big God's world is. And it really wasn't under, until somebody unpacked from Genesis to Revelation, like Pastor Matt started to last week, that God's heart is clearly bigger than just for me and the people that look like me. And so, and so it, 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 it didn't register for me just like it didn't register for the disciples. And yet Jesus lovingly responds, looks past their small vision and says, hey guys, I want you to think about not just yourselves, but the, here's what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the reason he's going to come upon you is so you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in order to get a bigger vision, friends, we got to start with the end in mind. The ends. What does the ends look like? It looks like this. This is where the gospel is and isn't in the world today. So the green and the yellow parts of the world are where people have access to the gospel. They, there, there might be people that live just like here in Flower Mound that have never heard the gospel, but they have access because they have you. They have churches like, like this one that preach the gospel. They got Caleb and Air One, right? And, and they've got the chosen, right? Praise God. And, and I love the chosen, by the way. And so they've got all these ways in the green and the yellow parts of the world to hear the good news about Jesus. And then there are the red parts of the world. We call these unreached because they're unreached with the gospel. They don't have access. They don't, it's not that they're rejecting Jesus. They don't know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows Jesus, right? So these, these, these boards up here give the names of the people groups or the ethnes or the nations of the world that are unreached, that live in the red. And like, like Trevor said, there are about 3 billion people of the 8 plus billion people that live on the planet that don't have access to the gospel today. And that's not what God's heart is. He wants us to, to, to see that, 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 that it's so much bigger, right? There's nothing wrong with our visions. They're just kind of small. They're a starting place. So to be a good husband or wife or to live in, in, in your singleness and, and do what God calls you to do or, or to be faithful to the end, right? Or maybe to even start to share a little bit. Those are great ambitions, but they're just a starting place. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just from an experiential side, guys, stop vacationing in America. 
Seriously. I mean, like, I mean, we're, 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 we're posting about the Bucky's that's going to be at the Y and it's got 200 pumps. Yay. Like, I, I mean, that's great, but like, come on. Like our friends are going to, to Tokyo for spring break, right? A month ago, my wife found tickets from Dallas to Barcelona for 400 bucks. Dude, Bucky's ain't got nothing on Spain. Okay. Come on, y'all. And it's more than just experiences. And this is why this matters, right? Is because the world has peoples and cultures that represent who God is. If all the peoples and cultures in the world were made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, then a part of who they are represents a part of who he is. And until we understand more of the world, we'll be missing out on who he is. The less that we know about the world, the less that we know about our great God because all those peoples were made in his image, amen? If you were wondering, God doesn't look like me. He looks nothing like, there's little parts of him, but it's so much bigger, right? If anything, God looks more Indian and Asian. If they they make up almost half, like a third of the world's population, God looks a lot more like India and China than he does like, like me. That's who he is. And so his invitation today is to join me in reaching the ends of the earth. Where do you start, right? Eating and news, okay? These are two easy places to start. So I just typed into Google international restaurants in Dallas. And here's was the, one of the first maps that popped up. And I know it's a little bit southeast of y'all, but y'all get the idea. 130 places to try that are not barbecue and tacos. And guys, I'm from Austin. I love barbecues and tacos. Okay. We got better barbecue and tacos than y'all do. Okay. And you're like, no, we don't. And like, those are fighting words. I'm like, come on, dude. Cool. That's not the point. The point is go eat something other than tiki masala at the Indian restaurant. Okay. And everybody's like, is it okay to laugh at that? I'm like, um, I like butter chicken too. You know, like, Hey, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just saying, get outside of what you normally do. And then when you go there, don't just eat the food, talk to the server, ask to meet the owner most. In, and, and I'm not trying to be stereotypical here, but the reality is most owners of restaurants, guess how many days a week they work seven And so ask, hey, can I meet the owner? Hey, I was just, and just tell them what's going on. I was just in service and I just realized I don't know very much about Iran. So I went to an Iranian restaurant. Could you tell me some things about your country? It can be that simple and you start a conversation. And just like that, you'll make a friend because guess how many people um, walk into their restaurants asking questions like that? Very few especially very few that aren't Iranian or whatever the culture is. Friends, the other one is news, Al Jazeera. You can go in your little app store and get Al Jazeera. I'm not trying to be political here in any way, shape, or form, but here's the reality. The billion plus billion with a B plus Muslims in the world, this is where they get their news. I'm not trying to be political. All I'm saying is see the world through a different lens. It's biased just like your news in uh, station is just biased in a different way. You're like, My, mine's not biased. I'm like, come on. <laughs> They're all biased y'all. That's not bad. That's just the reality of news. And so, so, so see the world through a different lens, start to see how our Muslim friends see the different conflicts and things that are happening in the world. Maybe learn about a different part of the world. And Al Jazeera is a great place. So, so eat some places, newsfeed. Maybe you step into a short-term trip. Go to South Asia. Show up to that meeting this afternoon. Even those of you with families, we'll talk more about that here in a second. And then, and then I, we are praying. There, there are hundreds of people praying for you this weekend. 
Probably about 700 people have prayed for you this weekend that God would raise up laborers from this church to, to leave their homes, like sell their homes, their possessions, and go to another culture long-term, not just on a short-term trip. And people do it all the time, y'all. You just have to hear more of those stories. There's a couple three years ago from Texas. They, they did this gigum thing. I don't know if you've heard of that, you know, and I don't care what your gang sign is. Like we can do this, we can do this, we can do sick. I, I mean, whatever your primary color is, yay, right? And, and, and some of you are like, did he just make fun of our primary color? <laughs> Friends, anyways, they, they, they came from that place over there. And, and but three years ago, Three years ago, they landed in Southeast Asia. And um, for the last three years, they've, they've had their sights fixed on one of these people groups that's called unengaged people groups. So you've got reached people groups, which, which have access to the gospel. They might not all believe. And then you've got unreached people groups, like all those sections in the red. And then amongst the red, there are what is called unengaged people groups. And that means nobody in that people group follows Jesus at all. There's not a single believer and there's nobody from the outside trying to engage them with the gospel. They're unengaged with the gospel. Well, these folks knew that. They moved there. They got a little baby. They learned the language in one year. It's an easier language to learn. And then they formed a team. And then they moved to one to see the, the, the lighter red. So it went from, un, um, from unengaged to unreached. And, and the number got cut down by one group. Here's the reality. Uh, here's what's in their near future, friends. And whether it takes a year or 10, it really doesn't matter. Because Jesus promises Revelation 5, 9, and 7, 9 that that people group's going to be around the throne. Amen? And so guess who's going to get to be there to see it? To have a front row seat in what God's doing. They're going to get to see the first person or the first family from that people group ever in the history of the world to say yes to Jesus. They're going to get a baptize the very first believers from that people group ever to say, they're going to get to celebrate the Lord's Supper like we'll do at the end of service today with the, for the very first time with people, friends. They're going to plant the first church that's going to then, by God's grace, plant another church, right? The very first church in that people group. And here's the, here's, here's the truth, friends. That story can be your story. That's the next point that you need to include yourself in the story. You're like, Andy, that's awesome for them, but they're Aggies and they can just do those kind of wild things and I, 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 just, I just can't, you know? That's just not true, friends. It's not true. Include yourself in the story. That's point number two. And I know that kind of sounds man-centered, but it's not because the reality is God from the beginning has put his Imago Dei in us so that he could work through us to see the gospel go to all the Imago Dei, amen? Come on, church. Amen, y'all with me? He, he wants you to be a part of the story. Look back at Acts 1.8 again. Look what it says. Look at the use. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You is the most prominent, the, most, the, the, the word that's repeated the most. Right? You. And, and he wants you to be invited into this global gospel. That's the invitation today. But so often we, we're like, hey, Andy, I, I appreciate like, uh, all the things that you're saying. And it seems like, yeah, God is leading some, but I'm, I'm just disqualified. And, and so I just want to walk through three things that we usually bring up that we say disqualify me from being a goer. And they're really three lies. Three lies. The first one is, Andy, uh, hey, uh, my age or life stage, just, it's not for me. 
moving overseas long-term. That's what, that's what I hope you hear again and again where God is calling all of you to consider. And not why would I go, am I called, but why would I not go? Why would I not go? And so the first one's like, hey, age or life circumstance, right? And it's like, hey, we've got toddlers. We've got teenagers. Doesn't work, right? I'm not in college anymore. I just started a new job. We just bought a new house. I'm, 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 I'm one year from retirement. Or we live just down the road. We just, bought, we just bought or built a house or moved in just down the road from the grandkids. Therefore, we can't go. That's, these are the kind of things that come out of our mouths. And, and so the scripture, when we, we have a lie that we're believing, we have to ask, what's the scripture that we could use to dislodge that lie from our hearts? And Genesis 12, Genesis 12, verse 4, is a great place to start. So we quoted uh, last week and this morning, the, the Genesis 12, 1 through 3, right? Where God says to Abram and Sarah, a little bit past their primes, or maybe just in their primes, depending on what life stage you're in right now, he says to them, go, therefore, um, go, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And then and Abram and Sarah have this choice to make. Will we obey by faith or not? We don't know all the things God's calling us to. We don't even really know where he's going. But the big question is, will we trust him or not? And that's why Genesis 12 verse 4 is one of my favorite verses. And it says this, so Abram left and he was 75 years old. And the thing I think God wants to speak to us today, church, is that none of us is stuck, amen? None of us is stuck, no matter what stage of life you are in, whether you're new parents or you've been parents, you just got your kids out of the house, none of us is stuck. God wants to use you um, to see the gospel go to the nations. And, it, and, and, and so here's real practically. Of, of, the, of the 260 goers that have been sent from our church, the stone, over the last 13 years to the nations, over the, the, of those 260, 40% are families. They look like this. They got kids. You got kids? Great. They got them overseas too. <laughs> Your kids will do great there. It's really, it's not the kids. You guys know that. You guys have figured that out, right? It's, it's not, hey, oh, my kids, they have this or that. It's not the kids. It's, it's us, the parents. And 40% of the people that we've sent have kids, and they're doing, they're, they're doing just fine. God's calling families. And so this gospel global invitation, this global gospel invitation is for you no matter what your life stage is. And it's going to take disruption, though. Because most of us have gotten pretty comfortable in our lives, the way that we run them. And, and, and yet, if we're really honest, we have to ask, like, man, we, we, we talk about our lives as if we want something more all the time. But are we actually willing to be disrupted out of that rut into things that might be uncomfortable for sure at first in order to experience more of the power of God? So the, the second disqualifier or lie says, I, I don't have the right gifts. Because I'm not a preacher or an evangelist, because I'm not an extrovert or an Enneagram 7, therefore I just can't, right? That's the adventure, right? Like because I'm just not wired that way, I, therefore I just can't go. But those other gifts, they should, they should definitely go. And, and, and we'll use Romans 10 to blast this one out of the water. You guys have heard this verse. How, how In Romans chapter 10, how can they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in whom they've never heard? How can they hear without someone preaching? Not like preach like this, like a Sunday preach, but simply the Greek word means to announce. Like you can announce, like you talk. Talk out and announce the gospel. How can they hear without somebody preaching? And how can they preach unless they're sent? And then here's the money verse. 
verse, uh, Romans 15, uh, sorry, Romans 10, verse 15, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Notice what God didn't say through Paul. He didn't say, how beautiful are the mouths of those that preach the good news. He didn't say, how beautiful are the personalities of those who bring the good news. He didn't say, how beautiful are the spiritual gifts of those who bring the good news. He said, how beautiful are the feet? Because he said, if you got these and you got the gospel, then you got what it takes to take the gospel to the nations. Amen? Come on, church. And even if you're like, there's probably somebody listening online or maybe in here and you're like, man, I, I, Andy, that's really hard for me to hear because I don't even got feet. And I'm not trying to be funny. Like I'm just saying, and, 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 and here's what God loves to do. This is the point of this point is that God loves to take your weakness and work through it. Amen. So if you're in a wheelchair, either physically or in your mind, you're, you have some kind of um, um, thing that you feel like is not helpful towards the nations, God loves to use the weak things, amen, come on, to shame the wise. Because who gets the credit and the glory then? To take an introverted person that doesn't like to be around people and try new things and use them to proclaim the gospel, who gets the glory? The more introverted and, and, and untrying, the more glory God gets. You're perfect. Come on. This global gospel invitation is for you, no matter what your gifts are. The last one that we'll talk about, and then we'll jump into the, the, the last point, is calling. This disqualifier, this disqualifier, this lie goes like this. Because I haven't had a Paul-type experience I, I, therefore, I'm not called to the nations, right? Remember Paul, he's on the road to Damascus. He gets knocked off his donkey into, into the ditch, right? And, and Jesus himself speaks to Paul and says, I've raised you up as a light for the Gentiles, the ethne. I, Paul, I want to send you to the red parts of the world, to those who have never heard. And, 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 and so, and so in, in Romans 15, Paul is, is talking about his calling, and he's going to proof or, or validate his calling. And you would think he would bring up that road to Damascus experience. He says this. He says, he says in Romans 15, verses 20 and 21, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. In other words, Paul says, hey, the green and the yellow are great for some, but I'm going to the red. I don't want there to be any gospel foundation. I'm going to the, the red peoples of the earth. And then he, he, say, he validates it saying this. Rather, as it is written, those who had not been told of him will see and those who had not heard will understand. The key phrase is, as it is written. Where is it written, Paul? Why did you validate your calling with this? He quotes Isaiah 52, 15. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that Paul validates his calling with the word of God? Because he didn't want us to believe the lie that we needed a special call, an extra call, in order to go to the nations. Hello. That the word of God was actually enough to call us. See, Paul knew that Jesus had already spoken through his word, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word, this is John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible and Jesus are, 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 are synonyms. In the, amen? And so Jesus had already spoken to Paul through his word. And Paul wanted us to know Jesus doesn't have to come and speak again because he's already spoken. Dude, church, come on. If I'm going to preach, you got to amen. 
come on, people. This, this isn't my stuff. I stole all my stuff from somebody else. So I'm not looking for pats on the back. I'm just looking for what the Spirit of God is doing in y'all. And when it's clear from the Bible that we don't need a, a vision of God in the middle of the night that says, go ye to India, but that the word of God is enough of a call, man, even if it's hard for you, say, God, I, I, I see that. Help me to have the courage to respond. Help me to have the courage to, to respond by faith. And so, so we talked about how do we access this power that lives in us? We said we got to get a bigger vision. we got to include ourselves in the story. And the last thing we got to do is live in the necessity of spirit-empowered going. Live in the necessity of spirit-empowered going. What I mean by that is to say, man, there's some urgency that Jesus is trying to put in the disciples and trying to put in us that there's a response to go. And so, Church of God, if you believe uh, in Jesus, then the Spirit of God resides in you, lives in you, and you could probably tell me, why does the Spirit live in you? And you've taken some classes on this, right? The Spirit is, is, is like a counselor. He's our guarantee. He gives us wisdom when we read the Word of God. He, 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 he's done all these things. He's our helper, right? And what else? What else does he help us do? Well, in Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus says, Hey, guys, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And he said, You've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he says it positively in verse 8. Right, and, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be, not might be or could be, or if you're called to be, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's not an optional witness, friends. It's not an optional going. It's an absolute. And so there are two um, things that we need to do. We need to go and we need to witness. And if we don't go and if we don't witness then we will miss out on the power of God that lives in us. And to the extent that we witness and go is to the extent to which we experience the power. Hello. Friends, you want more of the power and the presence of God? Step into going, step into witnessing. And, and, and you're like, Andy, are you saying everybody in this room should go to the nations? Well, I can, make, I can help make that happen. <laughs> That's my full-time job, yo. I'd love to help mobilize all y'all to India. They got enough people groups for sure. And we can, we can all learn Hindi together. And then, and then it will mean even more. But, but the reality is, I know that's, that's not the reality, but I do believe that there are hundreds who are supposed to go in this room. But for those of you who are going to stay in Flower Mound, there is a global going that we are all called to. And so if your gospel, TVC, is not global, then your gospel is incomplete. It's incomplete. There has to be global things that are happening through your life. You're like, Andy, what, what, what does that mean? Well, at the very least, it means you begin to learn about the world and pray for the world. Get on Al Jazeera and just pray right through that mug, right? The news gives us, or take your biased news station and just click on the world news. Who cares what kind of bias it is? It tells you how the world is broken. It tells you how the kingdom hasn't come yet, right? Remember what Jesus said? Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the news's job to report how the kingdom hasn't come yet. And so with your family, with your roommates, click on global news and here's a real and but, but don't just kind of do it half-hearted once a week. 
The more you enter in, the more of the power of God you'll begin to experience. Guaranteed. Friends, this is, I, I, I hope you hear a joyful invitation, not a guilt trip today, with a deep desire for, for you and I to experience more of the power of God. This is why our friends overseas, I think they experience so much of the power of God because they are more often in situations where they need the power of God. Their lives are not like the book of Acts. Many times they're just the opposite. But because they're often in circumstances where they need help, they're asking these kind of questions. Like, hey, in my city today, the government is so corrupt, the people are rioting again. They're burning tires on the roads and shooting guns in the air, and I don't feel safe. Where does my help come from? Hey, I just waited in line for two hours. These are scenarios of our friends overseas, real-life scenarios. We've lived in some of these. I've just waited in line for two hours for gas. They only gave me two liters. I've got about 25 miles that I can go. Where does my help come from? Just six months ago, we moved our family all the way across the ocean. God, we thought we were listening to you, and now we can't get our visa renewed. Where does my help come from? Hey, my 78-year-old father-in-law fell in the tub, and he's disoriented in the hospital, and we live on the other side of the planet. Where does my help come from? Friends, the reason our friends overseas experience more of the power of God is because they're more often in situations where they see their need for him. And so they cry out in desperation and say, I need your help. And he doesn't always respond how we think he does, but he does respond, amen? And so they live in that power, and that power emboldens their witness. John 14, 15, and 16 clearly say the Holy Spirit is the helper. You want to be helped more by the helper? Put yourself in a spot where you need the helper more. And he'll show up. He'll show up, friends. In the last decade, we've seen over 400, with the different churches that Launch Global works with, we've seen over 400 people, adults, go to the red parts of the world. And that can be your story, friends. But there has to be a going you can't stay in your same circumstances and experience more of the power of God. Something's got to change. Something's got to be disrupted. I'll end with this, with this story. I've got a friend. I just saw him uh, in Spain. His name's Michael. And I change all these names, P.S. If you're wondering, it's like, wow, you're just telling everybody's names and where they're at. No, I just change them all, okay? But these are real people, real stories. I, met my, I saw my buddy Michael, who's lived in the Middle East for the last uh, eight years, and last week, and he told me about Majid. Majid was uh, 17 years ago. Majid's an older guy, but Majid was on, uh, got super sick. He's in the hospital, and, um, and he's, he, he's, it, it doesn't look good for Majid. And, 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 and he's asleep, and he has this vision of a man in bright clothing come down to him, touch him, and heal him. And um, he's like, who are you? And, and the man says, you don't know who I am? He says, no. He says, I am the Messiah. And, and, and Majid was miraculously healed just like that. He steps out of the hospital, wonders, who is the Messiah? What does that mean? And there was nobody to tell Majid who the Messiah is. And so he continued to make some, some not great choices in life, right? Got involved in drugs and casinos. Um, he, had a, he, he has a large family. He was in and out of jail for over a decade. And then three years ago, God brought this uh, uh, thing to his mind again. 
Remember when you were healed and he says, God, I want, if you're real, show me yourself today. Show me yourself today. Well, at the same time, there was a guy from Switzerland who'd come into this country and and rented a car. I wouldn't recommend this strategy, but it worked this time. And he rented a car and just drove to, and he kind of got turned around on the GPS, and he drove into not a great neighborhood, right? And and the car company is looking where this guy is, uh, the foreigner supposedly has got the car, and they're like, no, no foreigners go to that part of the country. That's a terror, that's kind of an intense place. And, And they shut the car down remotely. Well, guess whose house it stopped in front of? Majid's. He walks into Majid. Majid finds his friend who speaks English. This guy unpacks the gospel, and and a whole bunch of people in Majid's family say yes to Jesus. And over the last, you can clap for that. And over the last three years, over the last three years, Majid knows very little of the gospel. Or, or, or what it means to live in the gospel, but he's shared with his, 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 his oikos, his spheres of influence, and they've seen uh, over 100 people say yes to Jesus. But this is what Michael said to me. He said, Andy, we need people who know how to disciple. We need people to, who, who know. We gotta help these little, Majid's little churches. We gotta help them know how to love their spouses well. We gotta, we gotta help them know how to get the gospel into their parenting. We gotta help them know how to get the gospel into their businesses. Church, what have you been sitting under for the last however long you've been a part of this church? How to help people treasure Jesus. And, and there, there's families that look just like this. This isn't Majid's family, but it looks like this. There, there's whole families that are, are waiting just to be discipled to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. That's the invitation to you today. And so what do you do? What's your first step? Man, sign up for this outreach training that's coming. They said 50 spots, forget that. Let's, let's, let's freak out the mobilization team and just like 300 of you show up and they'll figure it out, right? And learn what it means to begin to, 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 to go and to share with people that look like you and people that don't. Start with Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then be open to what God wants to do on the back end. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for all the things you're doing in the world. You you don't need us, God. And yet the reality is you just say, come on, you can come with me. I'm working already in the Middle East. I'm working in North Africa. I'm working across South Asia. You can come and join me. And you can partake, just like the the disciples partook in spreading out the fish and the loaves to the 5,000 the 4,000. You let them be a part, not because you needed them, but because it was a joyful invitation into your work. And so God, help my friends here to take a next step, to have faith, to clear out their Tuesday nights and to begin to share in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then give at least a hundred of them the faith to sell their things, to go to those red dots and to see people say yes to you for the first time, to give access to the gospel to people that you created in your image So much joy is waiting for us. So much power is waiting for us. Give us the faith to step into it. Help us to do it together. The church agreed and said, amen.